In August of last year, 45 tenants were evicted from an apartment block in Dublin 8 after their landlord said he was going to sell the property. It's a familiar story. It's happening to renters all over the country. Only this apartment block never went up for sale. And not long after, the rooms began appearing on Airbnb, the holiday rental site. And the price? Up to €100 a night for a bunk bed in a shared room or €280 for a private room. And while there may be little protection for tenants in these circumstances, there are rules to follow and the council is now involved. So what the council has served him with is an enforcement notice saying he must cease using this for short-term letting by the 28th of April. So he has till the end of this month. He shouldn't be doing it anyway, obviously. They've already told him that, but they've given him to the end of the month to resolve the situation. I'm Bernice Harrison, and this is In the News from the Irish Times. Today, how 45 renters lost their homes to Airbnb. In this episode, I talk to Dublin editor Olivia Kelly, who has been reporting on the story, and we'll also hear from political reporter Cormac McQuinn, who explains what the government is doing to regulate short-term lets. Olivia, you reported this week about a rental in Dublin where the tenants were issued with notice to quit because the owner said that he wanted to sell up. And that's a familiar scenario, but, but this is different. Can you tell me about the property and then what happened next? It's a property in Dublin 8, quite near the Coombe Hospital, and it was a, an apartment block. People had been living there, you know, some of them for, for several years, and they were given the notice to quit back in April of last year, and they were told uh, the landlord wanted to sell the property, and the notice was due to run out then in August for some people. It's different lengths of time, depending on how long you're living in a place, but they, you know, eventually moved out. And they then discovered that their their former homes were now up on the renting platform Airbnb and they could recognise them from the interiors and from the views of the window. There were no uh, pictures of the outside of the block, but just pictures of the of the rooms, uh, which all have bunk beds in them and would be, you know, they'd know from the flooring, from the furnishing and that sort of thing, that those were their homes and that they were now up on Airbnb. And you cannot, as a landlord or as a property owner, list something on Airbnb in Dublin without having planning permission. Uh, so they got onto their local authority and the Dublin City Council in this instance, and they said, we believe that this is unauthorised uh, letting of, of for short term lets. Will you investigate it? And the council in this instance did and uh, has served uh, the property owner with an enforcement notice. First, the, the process is you start with a warning letter saying, please stop doing this. And then if the warning letter isn't complied with within a certain length of time. Next step is an enforcement notice and that says you must stop doing this by a certain date and if you don't, it's legal action. So what effect do the warning letters have? Very often none. You know, you you might have people who are innocently doing something that they shouldn't be doing and they might say, oh, I'll stop doing that now. Or in some cases, they're not doing anything wrong at all and they can respond to the warning letter and say, actually, I'm, I'm not renting this out on Airbnb or any other short-term letting platform or I'm doing it within the rules. You know, the rules allow you, particularly if it's your own home, you can rent it out for fewer than 90 days a year. So that might be the case. You know, some, some people do... Make 
make spurious complaints to the council, you know, if they have a grievance with someone. So in some cases, those warning letters, nothing happens as as a as a, a repercussion of them. The enforcement notice is a little different because the council is fairly sure on their ground there that they have a problem, that, that this person isn't operating in a manner they should be. And it's because the enforcement notice can lead on to, to legal consequences, court actions and that sort of thing. It's, there are fewer of them, but, but it's, it has force. So the tenants in Rubin Street, or at least some of them, were really, really proactive. They got the notice to quit. They'd be out there by August. And then one or several of them got onto the council. But we're now in April and the property has been let out as has been up on Airbnb as a holiday let mm-hmm. for months. It has, it has. As you say, the, the original notice to quit was an intention to sell. Now, in that notice, the landlord did say, I intend to sell within nine months. So you could say, now he still isn't allowed to do the Airbnb thing because there's no planning, but he could say, well, I just haven't found a buyer yet or I need to do a bit of work on it before I, I put it to the market and all that sort of thing. But crucially, he has it up on Airbnb until the end of August, which would definitely bring him beyond his nine months of sale. So he is giving the impression, at least, that he intends to keep using this for a short-term let let to that date. Now, the City Council, its enforcement notice has said by April 28th, so the end of this month, that he has to stop that. So we'll see if he does and what action the Council takes if he doesn't. Well, now, legislation came in when, like in 2019, and then Dublin City Council said that in 2021, and of course, remember, we're we're in the middle of COVID then, said that it had issued 952 warning letters for breaches of short-term letting rules. Do we know where they got this figure from? Because that's only a fraction of the short-term lets in Dublin, for example. Do we know what happened? Um, you know, have uh, what happened on foot of those warnings? Well, it may not actually be just a fraction of the short-term lets in Dublin because it's very difficult to get accurate numbers. Like if you went on Airbnb today, you might, you know, and you picked a date, say in the middle of May, you might find there's only 300 properties. It's hard to decipher if it's part of someone's house that they're they're just having guests for a certain length of time, which was obviously how Airbnb was originally to work, or if they are renting out a property that they don't live in full time, or are they renting out a property while they go away, say their teachers who go away for the summer or something like that. You know, so it is hard to decipher how many properties there are actually there. What the council did was when in 2019, and they were actually doing this before the legislation came in because the council was very proactive in actually driving this legislation and seeking this legislation. So they had done a study and they reckoned there were about 900 properties that they could identify that they thought maybe short-term lets. But to sort of get these out of the woodwork, that's where the 900-odd warning letters come from. And as I was explaining with the warning letters, obviously not all of them are answerable, as in they may not be in the short-term letting system. Some of them fall flat. So it's the enforcement notices that there are the important bit. Now, the new legislation that the government is trying to bring in, that will actually put 
more responsibility on these platforms, on these short-term letting platforms such as Airbnb. So they will have to ensure that anyone advertising on them has the correct planning permission or has an exemption because it's just their family home that they're renting out a room for. That, I think, will be the only way to actually know whether people are complying or not with with their responsibilities and, and their legal obligations. So this Reuben house on Reuben Street, what's going to happen? The owner has applied for planning permission for an apart hotel. I was reading the planning. It seems like a very reasonable application in terms of, you know, he's saying there's a need, it's beside the hospital and so on and so on and so on. Um, it's a good building. It's not a, you know, it's a contemporary, it's a modern building. So, uh, you know, I think if you were a betting person, I think you'd bet that he might get the planning. Well, you might say that if if someone was developing something from scratch, if someone was saying, I'm going to come along and build an apart hotel. But that isn't what he's doing. Because these were formerly people's homes, they were they were apartments, the council has a policy where their policy is that they're not inclined to allow permanent homes to be converted to short-term lets. Now, he this is effectively what he would be doing. Also, the enforcement section of the council has said that they have forwarded the, their enforcement notice, their proceedings, to the planner who's looking after the case. You'd imagine that will have some bearing. Now, you can never second-guess what will happen in planning, but you would imagine that those enforcement proceedings will be taken into account. I would say if I was to, to to place the bet, I would place the bet on him not getting planning permission for this. So it's a very stark story because, of course, it's people's lives. These are 45 people who were put out on the street between April and August of last year. Um, some, as you say, had lived in that apartment block for a lengthy period of time. We can only hope that they found other accommodation, though obviously the situation, you know, you'd fear for them in that in that regard. Will we be reading more stories like this or do you think this is an outlier? I don't think it's an outlier at all, to be honest. I, I think it, it's quite common. Um, I think there's a lot of these, particularly these overcrowded, uh, you know, accommodation the, the, that goes under the radar, you know, the, there's in these cases, there were people, they were all sharing rooms, bunk beds, around an average of four per room and that sort of thing. I think a lot of that goes under the radar. The hope would be that this new legislation will bring these these properties out of, of the woodwork and that we will actually be hearing a lot more of this. There is also, of course, an issue with staffing in the Residential Tenancies Board, in the City Council, you know, these are the people who will be looking after these issues. There's not enough of them. The hope would be that the government will see this need here, given that we, we've heard about the, uh, you know, another 4,000 notices to quit in the third quarter of last year. And that was on top of around 4,000 notices to quit between July and September. There are going to be a lot of issues here. So that organisation in particular is going to need uh, 
significant additional resources and funding, but so are local authorities. And you say local authorities because, of course, this is not just a Dublin issue. No, at the moment it applies to rent pressure zones, Dublin obviously and the other cities, but also areas that, you know, would have a big renting population or pressures on, on housing. So they're the smaller towns or larger towns around the country. But the new legislation, the one that we're, we're currently hoping the EU Commission is, is going to let us go ahead with, that would apply nationally. Everyone would have to register and then it would be determined whether you can legitimately run short-term letting or not. Coming up, political reporter Cormac McQuinn will explain what the government is doing about short-term lets. Cormac, Ireland is not unusual in this. Like most other major cities have imposed a variety of rules and regulations in an effort to reduce the number of short-term lets. So like about 10 years ago, I think it was in response to the hotel lobby. But now it's more likely in all cities to be about housing shortages. What has our government been doing? Well, it They've really been grappling with this for years and years, um, you know, it, as they have been with the housing crisis in general. I mean, we, we've we've had attempts even since the last Fine Gael-led minority government uh, to to kind of try and crack down on on the short term letting sector to a degree. So there were, there was efforts by by Owen Murphy to bring in measures, and we saw the introduction of a requirement to have planning permission for uh, for short term lets. You know, when they were when they were being used or being offered for more than ninety days, uh, there's been very very low take up of that uh in that there's very very few consequences if you if you don't uh, get the 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 supposedly necessary planning permission so that the numbers that have actually got it are very very low um since then, though, there, they've renewed efforts in this current government. We we have had, I suppose, the the most high profile. Uh, measure that is planned to set up a new short-term lettings register uh, announced with great fanfare last December by by the Minister for Housing, Dara O'Brien, and Minister for Tourism, Catherine Martin. You know, quite uh, ambitious claims that it might return 12,000 rental units to the to the long-term letting market out of out of uh, around about 30,000 uh, short-term lets in the country in total. So it, it, it remains to be seen until that will be, whether that will be achieved or not. And uh, it'll be a while before we find out because this this legislation is delayed. Why is it delayed? So oftentimes, when when the government can't do something, it's it's because it's being considered by the European Commission. Uh, there's a, a very technical thing that that has that has caused it to be delayed. It it had been on a on a standstill for three months while the European Commission considered it. Now they've extended this by another nine months till till the twenty second of December under something called the the Technical Regulations Information System Directive. Uh, so it will be another nine months or so before the government find out if they if they get the green light from Brussels on whether or not they can set up this register. But they do believe it it will be finally a, an effective way to to regulate the the short term lettings market if if they do get it over the line. So Cormac, if the EU allows this new legislation to come into play and there is a new register, does that mean that the oversight, the power, the regulation is being taken from local authorities and given to fall to Ireland? 
Yeah, essentially, yes. The board uh, Fulcher Ireland will will be um, monitoring the system. They'll be running the system, this new register, and they'll be monitoring compliance uh, by the by the property owners and the, and the online platforms. Um, what what the key difference, I suppose, with this with this renewed attempt to crack down on the on the short term lettings is that each property will have a registration number that's linked to an air code. Uh, so. Fault uh, Ireland staff will be able to more easily monitor whether they whether they're registered, and the offence, of course, will be to advertise a property that's not registered. Uh, it will also mean they'll be able to check whether or not uh, the properties have planning permissions much more easily, because as it stands, uh, the only way to check to check a property on its planning permission is to well to know its address, but you don't get the address until after you've booked a stay at at the property. So you know, council workers don't have the the time or resources to to be booking uh, short-term lets around the country to just to find out the address so they can check if it has planning permission so the 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 goal and the, the intention of the new legislation is that the the registration number will be visible before a booking is made which which will allow the authorities to much more easily check whether it has planning permission I was looking at the figures on this and for the weekend of April 16th in Dublin, there were 364 properties on Airbnb and the average nightly price was €290, which would work out an income of nine grand for the month if you had full occupancy. But yet, we're we're hearing that the the fine, the Falcher Ireland fine for not registering a property would be €300. Sure, as I understand it, that's for a first offence. If the the breach of the the rules continues, then the, there is an option for for Fault Ireland to bring the the property owner to the district court, where a fine of up to five thousand euro is available. And and perhaps more importantly, uh, they'll have the ability to find the online platforms uh, five thousand euro uh, for each for each property that is that is not registered. They'll be able to find find the the online platforms that mount. So it it might. The, I suppose the hope is it'll be self policing to a certain degree because the online platforms won't want to leave themselves open to rolling fines of, of that of that amount. So now that seems to be to be putting an extra layer of bureaucracy on the online platforms such as Airbnb. There are others, of course. We always keep talking about Airbnb, but I suppose it is the main one. Um, Airbnb has a headquarters here. Um, I'm assuming they have lobbyists that are going out of the government uh, all the time. What, what's been happening on that front? Yeah, I mean they they, they certainly they certainly have lobbyists. I think our, our colleague Simon Carswell had a had a story earlier this year about a, a certain amount of surprise in, in Airbnb that these new regulations were, were coming down the tracks. Um, certainly at the time the time it was launched, they were were saying that they they very much welcome it as a, a step forward towards creating clear, simple, and enforceable uh, home sharing system in in Ireland. Uh, so that. They're going to have to embrace it, I suppose, if it does come to pass uh, once you give it the green light. But again, the test will be the impact it actually has, how many properties are actually returned to the market. And we won't find out that out until next year at the earliest by the look of it. Now, short term lets, and they can be for as little as a night or two, and they're designed, I suppose, primarily for tourists. This country is heavily dependent on tourism. Uh, so short term lets need to be part of the mix. Um is there what's the acknowledgement of that in government? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly they they don't want to discourage tourism, particularly at a time when 
the hotels are under under pressure. A lot of them are used up uh, housing refugees from Ukraine and other countries. You know, a, a very large proportion of hotel rooms are in use for that at the moment, although many of them are, are ending their contracts so as they can return to the tourist market for the summer. Uh, so they, they don't want to discourage tourism. There has been some concern amongst uh, government backbenchers from rural areas and uh, coastal counties that that this uh, new regime for short term lets might be might be too onerous and and they've been kind of arguing for an exemption for those sorts of regions and that the the new rules would only apply to rent pressure zones which are predominantly in the, the towns and cities uh the Department of Housing is looking at that, as I understand it. They haven't they haven't ruled it out, but they haven't said it's going to happen either. But these are the kinds of compromises that are, are being examined as a kind of a, an olive branch to the tourist sector as well. But realistically, you know, will curtailing uh, short-term lets solve the housing crisis? Like, it's, it's not clear whether someone who rents out a house as a summer let, for example, would if new regulations came in and go, okay, you know what, I'm going to rent it out now long term. Because that's a totally different proposition. So It's far less lucrative as well. I mean, it's it's uh, the money that can be made from the short term lets if you've got a very busy property is 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 much much in excess of what what would be there for a long term let, even even in this era of, of high rents. But talking about curtailing short term lets in the context of the housing crisis, is it just a shiny distraction? I mean, it, it's 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 a headline grabbing measure for sure because everyone knows Airbnb and the other other platforms. People use them all the time. You know, it's it's and you could you could see, for instance, if you are somebody struggling to find accommodation in the rental market, how you would get angry at at these short term lets you sucking up tens of thousands of properties around the country. You know, I I, th- I think it's probably a case of you know. The government looking at as many measures as they could possibly take to help increase the supply of housing. This is one. I, I there's a lot of skepticism as to whether it would actually return twelve thousand properties to the market. If I remember from the launch, it was that estimate was kind of based on the experience in other countries. Um, the Netherlands was cited in Amsterdam. What happened there? Uh, but. It's designed to make people register and apply for the planning permission. I suppose there is a possibility that some people won't want to go through the, the rigmarole of all of that. There's also the possibility that some of the planning applications will be rejected and then the, the owner of the property might just decide, okay, well, I'll, I'll put it in the long-term rental market. So it'd be a combination of those things. I'd, I'd be shocked if they achieved the full 12,000, but uh, I, th- I think the government will take any level of properties returning to the market that they can at this point, given the, the scale of the housing crisis. Thanks very much, Cormac. Thanks, Rudy. That's it for today. For more Irish Times journalism, including reports from Olivia Kelly and Cormac McQuinn, subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. I'm Bernice Harrison. This episode was produced by Suzanne Brennan. In the news, we'll be back on Friday. <laughs>